welcome. We want to welcome all of our campuses, those that are watching on television, those that are watching online. It is an honor. We are talking about relationships. Now, last weekend, we did a, the band showed off a little bit. We did name that tune. Some of the classic love songs are a part of the soundtrack. There's some amazing movies about love. Well, this week, we're going to do a, another parlor game. We're going to play charades. All right, are you ready? Charades, can I hear it? Charades, and we've got some amazing actors that are gonna make their way, and as they come, would you give them a potential church welcome? <clears throat> come on, give them a welcome. It is awesome. Now, if you guys would, introduce yourselves. My name is Rocio Geraldine, and I serve in the creative team. And the creative team. Hi, my name is Jamie Taktok, and I'm in First Impressions. First Impressions, all right. Some First Impression fans. Now, I know you two are not married to each other, but are you, are you married? Uh, no, I'm single. Single? I always have it on me. I'm married. Uh, he is married. All right. He, he, um, we, I always ask that question because, right? I mean, she's single, okay? Uh, <clears throat> Now, here's the way we're going to do this. Here's the way we're going to do this. We're going to give our fine actors uh, uh, 60 seconds. We're going to give them a minute. And they're going to take about 15 seconds. There are four of these. So if you will number to four, one, two, three, four, pull out the program, pull out the outline, get a pencil, pen, lipstick, mascara, chalk, whatever it is that you write with, and number to four. They're going to take 15 seconds to act out each one of these, and I want you to write down what you believe they are acting out. These are classic love stories, okay? Classic love stories. How many of you got all five of the Name the Tunes right last week? How many? All right, about three or four of you. How many of you think you're going to get all four of these today? Let me see your hands. Can I have a little energy, a little confidence? You guys must have miserable lives, all right? <laughs> so we are going to number to four. We're going to number to four. We're going to put a minute on the clock. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right, here we go. The first one. Get ready to write it down. An incredible game of charades. Begin the clock. A swan. Is it? Are they dancing? Did he have a heart attack? Oh my gosh. All right, write it down, write it down. Number two. Number two. All right. Changing music. She's got a headache. She's playing coy. Oh, violence. Here we go. Number three. John Travolta, and here is the last one. Here is the last one. Mm. Is it a proposal? Is it marriage? No, it's Rapunzel. All right, that's four of them. See, right, make sure you got an answer for all four. Let's give it up for our actors one more time. 
Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Let's see how you did. What was number one? Titanic. Titanic. Yes. Number two. Twilight. Twilight. Yes. Oh. <laughs> number three. Greece. Greece. With John Travolta. Who was the lady? Olivia Newton-John. Yes. And then the last one. Romeo and Juliet. Samson. Yes. By Shakespeare. How many of you got all four? <laughs> mm, good try. Good try. Good try. You know, I, I, this week as I was studying uh, for this weekend's teaching, I want to show you a picture of what came to my mind, okay? This is what came to my mind. You guys put the picture up there? You, you know what that is? It's a mole. Good try. All right. It's a mole, and moles are about this big. And, and I want to give you a little mole trivia because I know this is big at your office, okay? You can impress your friends with what you know about moles. Here's the first thing. That little mole, okay, will eat in a year's time 50 pounds worth of earthworms. 50 pounds. I told you this is interesting stuff, right? They can dig because you know how they dig their holes in the ground for homes. And then they have those long tunnels. And they can dig 18-foot tunnel every hour. An 18-foot tunnel every hour. They're very destructive, actually. And a mole in its saliva, it has a poison that stuns the worms. And they'll put the worms in another room to eat later. Kind of like drive through, like a McDonald's, you know, uh, a worm McDonald's kind of deal for the mole. And they can go the same speed forward as they do backwards. Now, the reason that I thought about this little furry creature when I was studying the Bible this week is because of the verse that's found in Colossians chapter 3. Paul is talking about relationships. He talks about husband and wife. He talks about parents and kids. He also talks about work relationships. But before he gets to that in chapter 4, here's what he says in chapter 3. And it's the chapter we're going to study. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking where? Within you. You know? Those things that tunnel inside of us. Moles, I used to take care of softball fields for all the different leagues. And we had moles. And they would come in and they would tunnel under the ground and they would destroy an infield or an outfield because they eat um, the, the, the root system of a lot of grasses and gardens. And so what was once a green yard or what was once a beautiful garden, you go out and it becomes barren and brown and destroyed. And you never saw it coming. And the reason you never saw it coming is because it wasn't something on the outside. It was something underneath on the inside. And the same thing is true with relationships. You talk to people all the time, and they'll be like, man, I, I never saw it coming. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why, you know, my spouse or my kids or whoever. Because it's on the inside. It's not something that's on the outside. It's something tunneling into our heart and into our mind and then into the words that we speak to each other. Paul's not the only one that said this. James said it as well. Look at what James says. He says, temptation doesn't come from the outside. 
We tend to think it's from the outside. It's those things that we see. No, no, he says temptation comes from our own desires. It comes from the inside, which then entices us and drags us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? Death. In other words, those moles tunnel inside of us. And whatever we feed gets stronger and it gets larger. And eventually it destroys that which we say we love, which is our relationships. And we live in a world that struggles to get along. I mean, husbands and wives, we struggle. Parents and children, we struggle. Friends, co-workers, we struggle. And so many times what Paul and James are both saying is it's because there are these moles that are tunneling inside of our lives. Now, we're just going to keep going. We're not going to jump all over the Bible. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 because then Paul says, I'm going to give you four moles that destroy relationships. Four moles that destroy relationships. Now, all I'm going to be able to do today is mention these to you. We don't have enough time to jump into each one of these. So this week as I was studying, uh, one of the things I did is I, I called Pastor Erdis and I asked him if there was a way where, because I've taught on all of these multiple times in the last 16 years. And, and I hate to, you know, I hate to not give you enough content so that you can study the Bible and really dig dig in. You like that? Dig in, mole, dig in. Come on now. It's pretty impressive, all right? <laughs> and dig in to these, okay? So if you go to our app, you can download it on iOS, you can download it on Android, it's free. Right there on the front, there's a little thing that looks like this, says bonus content. And under each one of these th um, that we're going to talk about today, there's, 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 there's other teachings that we've done, the video, the outlines, a place for you to start so that there's more content on just each one of these. We're just going to kind of mention them all today, okay? So go to the app and, and maybe that will uh, be of help. Now, these four moles, we're going to start with the first one. And this one's going to blow you away. You know what the first one is? And you know these, it's just good to be reminded. Sexual sin. And you know what I like about this? I didn't come up with this. It's the very next thing Paul mentions. It's like centuries ago, Paul knew that our biggest challenge would be our sex lives. That, that's, that sexual intimacy would be the thing that can build a relationship, but also destroy our relationships. And so he says it. Look what he says. Verse 5. Remember, we started in the first part. Here's the second part. Have nothing to do was sexual immorality. It's a Greek word, pornonia. We get our English word, pornography. It's a, a big tent word. In other words, it encompasses all kinds of sexual sin. Impurity, and you might underline this word, lust and evil desires. Paul says that there is this mole called sexual sin that loves to tunnel its way into our heart, eventually destroying our relationships because what you remember we read it a moment ago what we feed is what gets stronger now <clears throat> when you think about sexual sin and you think if you put that back up here you think especially about this word lust all right and all sexual sin is about who it's about me right it's about me it's about self-pleasure it's about self-satisfaction. That's why lust is dangerous even within a marriage. 
Even in marriage, you don't want to lust after your partner because that is destructive because lust is always about me being satisfied. It's always about me experiencing pleasure. And, you can, and I cannot have healthy relationships when it begins with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks explicitly about sexual intimacy. And he says that sex is not about what you can get out of it, but it's about how you can please your partner. And so here Paul says, hey, be careful. Sexual sin and all that it includes becomes about you. So when you read the Bible... And he says, hey, you need to watch out what you watch. You be careful about what you watch. What you watch on TV, what you download from YouTube. You need to be careful about what you listen to. You need to be careful about what you read. You need to be careful about all those things because those are moles that when they're fed, they become bigger and stronger and they turn a green yard into a barren brown. And what do, how do most of us respond to those kind of conversations? I can handle it. It's not a big deal. We almost laugh at it, don't we? That's old school. That's an old, you know, just, this is 2016. Come on now. Right? We laugh when someone says, you really want to watch that late at night? You you really want to go to that that website? You you really want to read that book? I mean, it doesn't affect me. I mean, I've been a believer for a long time. I'm mature. It doesn't. No, no. All of those things are about what? They're about self-satisfaction. And so we objectify uh, men. We objectify women. And we look at them as things to be owned and things that are there to bring pleasure to us. And as long as it doesn't happen to someone in our family, we tend to be okay with it. That's how we end up in places that we never understand. It's like, how did this happen? Nobody walks up an aisle and says, I do, expecting one day to commit adultery and break the heart of that man and that woman and destroy the relationship with those children. Because you realize when you commit adultery, your kids take that with them into their future. And that doesn't mean that they can't be successful. But here's what it does mean as a parent. You've made it more difficult for them to be successful. Nobody does that on purpose. See, we like to say, that, well, those are evil people. Those are bad people. Because then it makes it, us feel as if it could never happen to us. Because after all, right, I'm not evil. I'm not bad. No, do you see what Paul's saying? Paul's saying this doesn't happen to evil people. It happens to people who don't eradicate the moles in their lives. And one of the moles that tunnels into my life and tunnels into your life is sexual sin. And so whether it be an adultery or an affair or a pornography addiction or unhealthy sex, even within marriage. You know, when when I talk to people as a pastor... Here's the kind of things I hear when they find themselves in a place where they're like, I don't know how this ever happened. I never intended on hurting them like this. Can't believe that it happened. Here's the things I always hear. But it's, it's my turn to be happy. Don't I deserve to be happy? I mean, I've been given for two decades. 
I, I deserve to be happy. I, I, and, and they walk out towards that. Now again, can I tell you what that is? That focus is on what? It's on me. And it is the end result of feeding the mole of sexual sin. But Paul doesn't just stop with, with this whole idea of, of sex. Well, let me read what, what he says in Romans, okay? He says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. In other words, God is not going to make you have a good marriage. He's not going to make you have a good relationship with your kids. He's not going to make you have a good relationship with your coworkers. God says he, he abandoned them. He said, okay, that's what you want? You want to watch whatever you want to watch? God says, go for it. You want to read whatever book comes out, no matter, you go for it, man. You want to download, go, go, I, 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 you get to choose. He says he abandoned them, and as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. God says, I'm going to give you over to, do, you do whatever you want to do, but you understand that it's, this is where it's going to lead. This is where it's going to lead. See, I think we get the wrong picture of God. I think we often think that if we do good things, then God is happy with us, and so He zaps us with a happy marriage, or with enough money, or with a job that we like. In other words, if we can make God smile, then He will make us smile. He'll make us happy. But if you make God mad, if you do something the Bible says you're not supposed to do, then God's going to get you back. You're dead wrong. See, that, that's not anywhere in the Bible is that the way God operates. Do you, do you know what God does? God says, I made you, and I'm going to give you this amazing gift called a relationship. You're not going to have to do life alone. I'm going to give you a relationship called marriage where you leave your mother and father and you cleave, you become one. There's no other relationship in the world that you can have with that man or that woman of, of marriage becoming one. Husband, that wife. You leave and you cleave. And when that man and that woman say, I do, he says, this is your gift. And you can't experience it by living with someone without the commitment. You can't experience it with sex without the commitment. It, right, he says, I'm going to give it to you. I want you to enjoy it. He says, I'm going to give you kids. The Bible says that, that children are a gift from the Lord. That they're arrows in your quiver. What do you do with arrows? You don't, you know, just keep them in your little quiver, carry them around. You put them into the bow and you shoot them out into the world. And there's nothing like watching your kids that you have poured into those young lives go out into the world and live out that kind of impact in the world and make those kind of decisions. There's nothing, nothing like that. And God says, I'm going to give you that, I'm going to give you that relationship. I'm like a good friend. That sticks closer than a brother that's loyal. Lifts you up on your bad day. And is there with you when you make good decisions and when you make bad decisions. God says, I have created you to have this amazing gift called relationships. And yet the enemy says, I want to destroy them. And the way that I'm going to destroy them is with these little moles that you discount. The first one being sexual sin. The second one, we talked about it a few days ago, greed. And since we talked about it a few days ago, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but he says, don't be greedy. 
For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. The wisdom writer says it like this in Ecclesiastes. Those who love money will never have enough. Therefore, what? You're always hungry. Right? You ever opened up a bag of chips and there only be three chips in it? It's kind of like Lay's, right? You can't just have one. And then you tear the cabinet apart looking for something else to eat. Right? Isn't it interesting? What is greed about? It's about me too, isn't it? And we look at our spouse and we say, hey, I'll work on this relationship, but I got to get this done so we can have this. I'm going to focus on my kids, but I got to do this so that we can go there, do that. Then I'll get there. Then I'll get there. I got to do this for me. I say it's for you, but it's really for me. Greed. It becomes about me and that hunger for one more thing that I think will make me happy so then I can focus on you. The third one is anger. A little mole called anger. Look what he says in Colossians 3.8. But now is the time. Now is the time to get rid of what? What is it? Let's say it mean. Anger, right? Why? Rage, malice, behavior, slander, dirty language. Anger. Anger is so destructive, isn't it? Some of us here, we live in an angry home. There was screaming and yelling all the way here maybe today. I grew up in an angry home. My mom and dad, I'm just, I, I remember them fighting, and I remember the fear that I felt. My dad, his family was an angry family. His, his, my uncles, you know, they went through several different marriages. My dad's father beat him with a chain when he was growing up. Just a lot of anger. And I remember when Steph and I got married, and um, I, I remember after I, I, I got angry, and I remember <clears throat> turning the car around, and I slammed the door, and I got out. And when I did, I just remember having this thought, is this the kind of family that I want to have? Do I want Stephanie to feel what I saw my mom feel? Do I want my future kids to feel what I felt? Because it is my choice. Anger is something you can't control. It's a lie to believe that you can. The Bible says to not be controlled by that, but to be filled by the Spirit. It's a mold. And I remember making that decision and saying, you know what, what I've seen in my father's life, what I have heard that his dad did to him, what I've seen in my uncle's life, it's going to stop with this generation. It's going to stop right here. Now, I wasn't a pastor at that time. I was just someone who wanted to have a good relationship with my wife and with my kids. And angry people do not realize how much pain they cause. Angry people throw up all over their family and friends. They feel better. Everybody else is sticky. And you can always tell an angry person because an angry person will, will, will blow up which releases some of what they're feeling. So then they feel better, and they immediately want you to forgive them. Hey, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. I didn't mean. And then they get mad if you don't immediately get past their blow-up. And the shrapnel of anger, there are a lot of us walking around with scars from the shrapnel of anger. And Paul says it's a mole, and it's a mole that will destroy your relationships. There's a way to deal with anger. Effectively, The Bible says to be angry and sin not. There's a way. And again, I, I've you know, done a whole teaching, several teachings on, 
on anger and how to deal with it. Um, you can get that, I guess, on the app. Here, here's the last one. The last little mole is dishonesty. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, let's just read this first little phrase out loud together at all of our campuses. You ready? Here we go. Don't. Now let's say it with a little more conviction. You ready? Here we go. Don't. Don't lie to each other. Don't lie to each other. Just don't lie to each other. <laughs> it's one of the top ten. Don't be dishonest. Tell the truth. And you know what we often say? We often say that the reason we don't tell the truth is because we don't want to hurt the person. When in reality, the reason we don't tell the truth is because we don't want to be hurt over the hurt of that person. We, it's about us. When you look at all four of these, sexual sin, greed, anger, and dishonesty, they are all about me. Sexual sin is about me. It's about me having pleasure. It's about me being fulfilled. Greed is about me. Anger's about me. It's about me releasing my frustration. It's about me putting you in your place. Dishonesty is about me. And you know what else is funny? Think about all these. Sexual sin, greed, anger, and dishonesty. We dismiss them all. We downplay all of them. You get la Listen, you get laughed out of whatever conversation you're in if you challenge somebody about what they're watching on television or what they're reading or what they're listening to. You, you just get laughed at. Come on now. That's all. Uh, Troy. Talk to someone about greed. None of us think we're greedy. None of us think we're greedy. Nobody here, probably, I won't say nobody, a vast majority of us did not go to bed last night asking God to help us with our greed. We just kind of, that's not me, that's the rich people. Right? We downplay anger, right? We downplay our anger. Everybody gets mad. At least I don't beat my kids. Lying, we downplay it. Ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Can't always tell the truth. We downplay the four moles that Paul screams from the pages of the Bible and says these things will destroy your relationships. Is it any wonder that our marriages are crappy? I mean, most people do not do life with a soulmate decade after decade after decade. When the Bible's real clear on this, you can. You don't have to stay married because of the kids. You don't have to stay married because you have, no, no, you have to stay, you get, you get to stay married because you have become one and it's the most precious relationship you have ever experienced in your life. But we don't have that. And yet we dismiss the reason that Paul says we don't. We struggle with our kids, keep them going in the right direction keeping them out of the corner office. In 2016, our children are in the corner office. Most parents are hut to hut to to what their kids desire to do. Because I think it's because we have a tendency, I have a tendency to downplay these moles. We struggle to get along. You seen the anger on the freeway? You seen people at the customer services desk at Walmart? Right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Their sheets don't fit. That's, that's... 
We don't trust anyone, each other. I think it's because of these moles. And the, the wisdom writer says this in Proverbs. He says, can a man scoop a flame uh, into his lap and have his clothes catch on fi- not catch on fire? W- what's he saying? He's saying, can these moles run around in your life and you still have green grass? Can you really have these things in your life and have healthy relationships? And the question is, you can't. So what do we need? We need a molinator. We need something to eradicate the moles in our lives. And I have good news for you. As I was searching on YouTube, I found not a molinator, a rodinator. But it will take care of the moles. Let me show you. Let's watch. That's a real deal. Puts gas into their tunnel, blows it up. I mean, it's a real deal. So let me give you these molinators. And like I said, I only have time to give them to you. The first one is humility. That's what he said. And again, we're just reading through Colossians, not jumping all over the place, not trying to give you my list. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted kindness and humility, honor. We talked about this last week. Here's the second one. Forgiveness. Verse thirteen, he says, "Make allowance for each other's faults." That's good, right? I mean, that would impact our relationships. And what's the word? What, what's the word? Forgive. Who? Oh, I know that's hard to say. Let's say it one more time. Forgive who? Anyone. Yeah, anyone who offends you. Whoa, oh man, swallow deep. Anyone who offends you. You know why? Because. When you don't forgive, it affects other relationships. Did you know that if you get married and you get divorced, the odds go up in the second marriage from the first that it will end in divorce? If you get divorced a second time and then you get married a third time, the odds go up again that you'll be divorced. And I believe the reason that happens is because you carry unforgiveness from one relationship into the next, into the next. You have to forgive. And forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is just letting go. Just letting go of the desire to get even. That means that if you truly forgive, you may not forget what they did, but you're not following them on social media waiting for them to screw up. You're you're forgiving them. Let me ask this. How many of you have ever been honked at at a green light when it turned green and they didn't think you went fast enough? How many of you have been honked at in that situation? All right. How do you respond to that? I, 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 well, let me ask you, how many of you, how many of you guys up there in the balcony, how many of you, when you get honked at at a red light and it turns green, you don't fast enough, you slow down a little more? Anybody like that? Anybody up there in the balcony? You kinda, that makes me feel so much better, all right? Because I'm kind of like, you think I'm going slow now. <laughs> That is a great definition of unforgiveness, okay? That is not letting go. Now, the good thing for me is I have the Holy Spirit beside me, named Stephanie, all right? And she's always like, Troy, you know what road rage is, right? Here's the third one, a bold love. 
Above all, I love this, above all, clothe yourself with what? Love. It's the word agapeo. It means a sacrificial, unconditional love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. Here's what love looks like, okay? Love is not a feeling. People will say, man, we just fell out of love. You're a liar. Okay, you're a liar. That's impossible. You don't fall out of love. And the reason you don't fall out of love is because you never fell into love. You decided to love. Love is a decision. Now, you can fall into a, 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 a affection or you can fall into lust. There's a lot of things you can fall into, but you cannot fall into love. Why? Because that is not the definition of love. Love is a decision. It's a decision. I do what? Love you. We had children. We love them. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter where they go. We may have to show hard love or difficult love, but we love them. It is a decision that leads to an action that results in a feeling. And if you allow feeling to be what guides you, then you're going to, you know, you, it's, just, it, it, it's emotion. It's just up and it's down. It's a, it's a decision. Love is a decision that leads to an action. In other words, when you fall out of love, it's because you are no longer acting in love. And if you act in love, you will feel love. That is the result of acting in love. Steph and I have been married July the 15th for 27 years. Right? That, yeah. <clears throat> That just sounds like a lo long time, right? That just sounds old, okay? Um, now, we moved. Uh, the house we were renting, they sold it, so we had to move. And, and we moved and, uh, a few weeks ago. And I'm telling you, from the time the boxes entered the house, Stephanie had them unpacked within two days and everything put where it's supposed to go. I mean, she, she's going to work all night. She's going to get up early, you know, and as soon as she gets home from work, she's going to, it's incredible to watch. It's just like a little bee, doo, 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 you know. You notice I said it's incredible to watch. It's not so much fun to participate in, but it's incredible to watch. And, and, and so everything's put up at our house, except I have a little corner, okay? And in that little corner, there are still boxes, and there are things that are unpacked, Stephanie asked me today if I would put it up for her birthday. Um, but she has chosen that even though I have my little corner, she still loves me. She still loves me. She has made that decision. You know, the other thing about our house is that the dogs at the old house just opened the door and let them out. And they went out and did their business. But where we're at now, we have to take them for a walk. And so at night, you know, the last thing is uh, majority of the time I, I take them out so Steph doesn't have to and so that she can rest and that kind of thing. And so I'm down there, and i got to tell you, as I'm down there waiting for uh, my two dogs to go poo-poo, I, I don't have a real quiver in my liver about Steph, you know. I never thought that I would show my romance towards Stephanie by counting the bowel movements of my dogs, okay? <laughs> Love is not one of those things that you always feel, but it is one of those decisions that you, that you make. And there, as a result, are those moments when there is nothing like 
what you see when I look into Stephanie's life and know that for the past 27 years, we have been soulmates, we have been one, and that I can count on her no matter what, that she is the best part of my life. And there are those moments when the stars still go off and when the firecrackers pop, because it is the result of a decision we made a long time ago. And the same is true with our kids. I don't always, haven't always felt in love with them. Right after they were born, 3 o'clock in the morning, they need to be fed. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things I'm feeling. Love's not one of them. All right? <laughs> when they turn 13, oh, you know. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's only because you don't have a 13-year-old, okay? <clears throat> but there are those times when they begin to live out what you've poured into them, and you see them make decisions that are going to lead to successful lives. And there's an emotion that you feel in that moment that's undescribable. And the reason you feel it is not because you feel it. It's because you made a decision that you have acted upon, and now you get to experience the results. It's a bold love. It will eradicate the moles. Last one. And we don't even have time to talk about this one. It's peace. There's nothing like peace. I will say this to you. Humility, forgiveness, bold love, and peace are not natural. They're not natural. I naturally lie. I did the very, uh, <clears throat> when I was very, you know, young. The first time my teacher asked me why my homework wasn't done, I lied. It's, it's, not, it's natural to get angry, isn't it? The first time they showed me pictures of a baby. I was just a baby, a few days old, and I'm screaming and crying because I didn't get the food that I wanted when I wanted it. It's natural to get angry. It's natural to want stuff, but it is unnatural for you, humility, forgiveness, bold love, and peace. So how do you do it? How do you do that which is unnatural? You need something that's supernatural. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Go to the next verse. For you died to this life, and your real life is what? It's hidden in Christ. Christ is in you, not the mole. Christ is in you. And because Christ is in you, then it gives you the ability to do that, which is not natural, so that you can experience in your relations the supernatural. And every single one of us in every single chair and every part of this auditorium can have the kind of relationship that the world is stunned by because you have a oneness in your marriage. You have a healthiness with your children. You have a uniqueness with your friends. God says, you can have it, but you got to eradicate those moles. And you got to uh, add or humility. You know, pull out the molinator and see what God does. You have to trust Him. So if you would, bow your heads. And if you've never made him the master CEO, the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Right where you're sitting. Just tell him, just say, God, forgive me. I've been trying to do this myself. I've been trying to control my temper myself. I've been trying to be a good friend or a good husband or a good son or daughter myself. Forgive me for trying to do it my way, and I am committing. I'm going to do it your way. Transform me, salvage me, and change me. Renew me.
Father, I pray that the moles in our lives would be defeated and that the green grass would return, that the beautiful flowers of the garden would bloom once again, and that those around us would be amazed at what we have for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a hand? Awesome.